Well, as we come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 39, it's part of a bigger picture. We've been studying the book of Hebrews, and last week we had those pointers to perseverance, right? How do I persevere in my Christian life? How do I actually do that? And we had those pointers which talked about entering God's presence boldly. And if you're following in my notes there, don't change anything. All right. We talked about entering God's presence boldly and often coming to God's presence because of Jesus Christ. We saw that we're to hold tightly to that profession of faith. Not our profession, but the one in whom we've got the hope. I profess that Jesus is my Savior and that He is the one who holds and sustains me. That's the profession I hold tightly to. If you want perseverance in your life, hold to your profession of faith in Jesus Christ. We saw that we have to motivate each other to love and good works. And church, the question is, it's two weeks later, are we doing that? We want to be ones who do what God says, not just hear what He says. So how are we motivating each other to love and good works? As more and more of us come back, how are we motivating each other to continue in our walks, to persevere? And then we saw that we are to continue to meet together faithfully, and that's why I was doing my nag today. All right? I'm doing it as a pastor. I'm doing it in love, like any good mother. Because the Lord wants us to meet together. He wants us to prod and to be uncomfortable around each other sometimes because we are learning holiness. And so I really urge you to continue faithfully to meet and to, if you know there are those who are not meeting with us, to bring them with you. Bring them back. Let's meet together in obedience to the Lord as His church. The other thing I need to say in introduction this morning as we come to this passage is we need to remember, as I said last time we were in chapter 10, that Christ's work of sanctification, that is, His making me to be more like Him, is the framework around this chapter. We've got to see it in that light, all right? Christ is doing the work of changing me to be like Him. Because if I don't remember that, then what we're going to hear today sounds like works. It sounds like it's all about me and what I've got to do. But... At the same time as Christ is working to changing me to be like himself, there's a responsibility on you and I as believers to be holy. And so in a way, it's also our effort at the same time. I am to be holy. I am to want to be like Christ in my daily walk. So we've got to remember that. And the passage we're looking at tells us how to do that. There's another bit of introduction. They usually say if you've got a lot of introduction, you should have done a bit more prep. But it's not like that. I've really done a lot. And um, there is something I still need to say here. See this passage today. We've had the positives last week of how to persevere in the faith. Today we're going to get the warnings on what we should look out for if we want to persevere in the faith. See it like a, a mother sitting with her child at the edge of the pool. They're going in for their, they're going to have a good time. They've had a few swimming lessons, and then the mum puts her little boy on the knee and says, now, little Roger, listen to your mum. I want you to have fun in the pool today. 
I'll be watching for, for you. I'll be watching, seeing that you're safe. So have fun. But at the same time, don't do anything silly. Don't go dunking people. Don't go putting your head under the water too long because mothers get real nervous then. So there's encouragements and warning. Today we're at the warning. Last week or last time we had the, all those encouragements. So see it in that framework and then it will all make sense. So let's now get to our passage. We're going to read together Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 39. Hebrews 10, verse 26 to 39. Note his first two words. Who's he speaking to? Believers. Believers. And he's speaking to the Hebrew believers. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit, who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, and I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. I want to tell you about my lemon tree. Now, if my wife knows me. I know nothing about plants. I just use a chainsaw usually. Um, but my lemon tree is a thing of pride and joy. I watch it quite intently, those leaves that come out nice and green, and sometimes they go start going yellow and I get into panic and then I have to get my sprays out and whatever else you've got to do. But it goes through seasonal changes. We've got to accept that. Plants go through seasonal changes. And so the vegetation on them might change a little bit. Maybe not on my lemon tree though. But what is 
abnormal is if the leaves stay brown and if they start to really curl up. Then I've got to take notes because something's wrong. It's not normal. Our spiritual lives follow the same ebb and flow. Come on, be practical. We're not all on spiritual highs all the time, are we? We go through the ups and downs of life. We do, I do, we all do. But the general trend should be, in our lives, positive growth in holiness. We spoke about that. And we should be, on a constant scale, be building our spiritual perseverance. And we looked at that last time. By entering often into God's presence. And the question is, do we? Do we enter into God's presence often because of Christ? Do we hold to that confession of faith that we say we have in Christ? Do we motivate each other? Do we meet together faithfully? Because if we do, we will build our perseverance. He's promised so in His Word. But the passage we're coming to today is, is still a part of that building the per perseverance, but it's a warning on what happens if I don't do these things. What happens if I don't persevere? This passage this morning is a wake-up call. You see, the danger comes when a dry and a dormant season dominates our lives for an extended period of time. And we should ask ourselves when this happens, is if this perceived dry spell is a normal part of my develop, development because I may be still working through a crisis that's happened in my life and it's taking years to get over it, but I am working through it. Or whether this dormant period in my life is a product of my own wrong choices. That's a very different matter. The truth is uh, stated by a, a famous living guy in one of the commentaries a guy called George Guthrie, he says this, The forces of this fallen world ever pull the Christian downward, grabbing at spiritual shirt tails in order to hold him or her back from true Christian growth. Isn't that true? There's always something around trying to pull me back as a believer. And so as Christians, you and I are people in tension all the time. And the tension is we need to move on in this world and we need to grow because Christ wants us to grow and we want to please Him, but the world holds us back. There's stuff that comes up that wants to drag us down again. There's the tension in our lives constantly. And the question we need to be answering this morning is, are you and I still moving forward in our Christian life and development? Or are we gradually moving backwards because the going backwards will be at an ever-increasing speed? That's the truth of sin. And the end result of not persevering in the faith and cutting corners with our spiritual walks is this word apostasy. What is apostasy? We've looked at that before in Hebrews. The word apostasy means an intentional falling away or withdrawal. So what starts as unintentional becomes intentional falling away. So I'm sorry this morning if you've come here expecting glad tidings. They will come towards the end. But we first got to get through the warnings. You're sitting on mother's knee and she's telling you about the danger. So let's hear what the Lord says to us. This is one of the clearest warnings 
in Scripture on falling away or apostasy and how that works in a believer's life. What starts as a gradual turning away turns into a deliberate turning your back on Christ, Christianity, and turning to what is called situation ethics. What is situation ethics? I'll decide what's right and wrong in the situation, not Scripture. I'll decide. My heart goes out to so many of our millennials and teenagers who are in this very situation where they had a clear testimony of Jesus Christ in their lives, but now situation ethics has taken over. The world shows me what is right and wrong. And the other thing we turn to is amorality, which says that it doesn't really matter if this happens. It will all be all right in the end. The Apostle Paul warns in 1 Timothy about this very condition. And I want to read this to you. This is a clear warning speaking about this very time that we are living in now and into the future. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about apostasy and what it means. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 2 says this. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. It's in Scripture. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. That sounds so harsh in our ears, doesn't it? They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods, etc. And they will go off on those legalistic roots. It's part of turning away. You see, these Hebrew believers were turning away because of going back to Judaism. They were wanting to turn their backs on Jesus Christ and go back to a form of religion, Judaism, and all the traditions that came with it. So how do we stop ourselves from landing in this position under God's judgment? The first action point is this one. Look at verses 26. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge or truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. So how do we build our perseverance? How do we keep away from apostasy? Here it is. Stop your deliberate sinning. I don't know about your life. I know about my life. You see, in the Hebrew context, they wanted to turn their backs on Christ and to do Judaism. And so the writer to the Hebrews says to them, why would you continue to rob yourselves of joy and peace? Why would you continue to not receive all these other blessings that come to you in Christ? You know the truth, and yet you continue to reject it, wanting to go back to Judaism. He says there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins, what is that, these sins? The sin of turning your back on Christ. Christ has died for those who are repentant and those who acknowledge their sin. He hasn't died for those who continue to be hardened in it. Now please hear me carefully here. I'm not saying those who hardened their lives against Christ are past being saved. 
But I am saying if you deliberately continue to harden yourself against Christ, then maybe he hasn't died for you. And I'm going to come to that. And maybe you are trampling Christ underfoot, says verse 29. Now in the Eastern context, that made sense. You see, in the Eastern context, to trample someone underfoot was to show the most disdain you could. I don't know if you've seen on TV, they've uh, been in the Middle East when they've had these talks, and they had one guy, I can't remember who was the president now, but he was busy speaking, and some guy in the audience chucked a shoe at the president. It's, I can't do anything worse if you're in the East. I throw my shoe at you, my sandal, show disdain. By turning our backs on Christ, says the writer to the Hebrews, you are trampling Christ underfoot. And you are acting as though the cross doesn't matter much. You are discounting the price of the blood of Christ paid for you. And if you're a genuine believer, says the writer to the Hebrews, God will apply his discipline to your life and bring you back to himself. But it will be a hard and painful lesson. He will not let you go even in your attempts at apostasy. However, he uses the warning of extremes. He says, if you persist in your sin, then maybe you need to ask yourself a very different question. Am I saved at all? If you persist in sin, if I persist in sin, and this is long-term I'm not talking about those everyday little things that come up and you ask for forgiveness. I'm saying you keep to those sins and you're hard-headed in it. If you persist in that, maybe we need to ask ourselves this question, am I saved at all? Why do I say that? Because Scripture speaks about this elsewhere. We always need to be cross-referencing in Scripture to see what it says on these big themes. The book of 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read you a passage which is horrific. But we need to take note of it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. This is what he says. Note his first two words. Dear children. Who's he speaking to? His fellow brothers and sisters. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Here's how you tell. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. I'm not saying this, people. God's word is saying this. It's a warning to us. Your life will be evidence of what you are inside, is what Scripture is saying. And we all need to be looking at our lives before Scripture and evaluating there. And so, my friend, I want to plead with you this morning, as a... As someone who's sitting here in this auditorium, and others might think you're a believer, 
and you've been coming here for years. But my friend, if you find yourself in this dangerous spiritual position of outright rebellion against the Lord in your heart, you know yourself. Don't pretend that you're a believer. God can see your heart, even though you may be fooling everyone, including your family around you. You're in mortal danger. If you persist, the terrible expectation of God's judgment, says our text, and the raging fire that will consume his enemies awaits you. God is warning us this morning from his word. You see, in Moses' day, Things were a little different than today. Today we kind of see things happening and we kind of let it go. In Moses' day, under the old covenant, when someone sinned in the tribe, it didn't matter who it was, and it was a blatant and open sin, they didn't close their eyes to it. They didn't put them under church discipline. They took them outside the encampment. The tribe got around, they grabbed big rocks, they proclaimed God's judgment and curses on them, and they got stoned. Thank the Lord we don't live in those times anymore. But what was God showing through that gruesome picture? He was showing to them, I'm a holy God. I want you to be holy before me. And if you persist in your sin before me, my judgment will come down. I'm a holy God. I must be a just God to you. He doesn't change. God hasn't changed an iota. Nothing about God has changed. We've got the new covenant now under Jesus Christ. And if we persist in our sin and we keep trampling God's own son underfoot, his judgment will rest on us. We need to take note of this warning, people. You see, the Father and the Son are, spur uh, are spurned in this. And verse 29 says that the Spirit too is insulted and disdained. You see, when we keep on sinning, the Trinity is being sinned against. God as a whole is being sinned against. The one and only Holy God. The very Spirit who brings God's mercy into our souls. We are hurting that Spirit. We are going against the work of that Spirit. Because the Spirit's work in us is not just to bring mercy, but to show us mercy by pointing out our sin to us, by making our consciences alive to it, so that we will turn for repentance to Jesus and, and have that sin taken away. And when we continue sinning in the face of God, we trample on God. And as we heard last week, if you put yourself up against Almighty God... You are declaring war. Me, little human being, I'm declaring war on Almighty God. You see, we can't sin in isolation and think God will just let it go. He will and He must judge. He's a holy and a just God. He says that in the text. He says, quoting from Deuteronomy, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. The Lord will judge His own people. God hasn't changed. His judgment is there, but His mercy is there at the same time. Just push through with a little while. There is good news coming, okay? We need to get the cod liver oil, the old people used to say, if you want the goodness in your life. He summarizes what he's been saying here by the statement 
And I know Jonathan Edwards is a great, is a famous dead guy. He's, he preaches great sermon and thousands came to the Lord. And it is based on this very verse. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. My friend, that verse hasn't changed. That truth hasn't changed. God is a loving God and He loves us. But if we persist in sin before Him, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There will be no means of escape. But here's the mercy. There is still time. You and I are hearing this message from God's Word today. There is still time for us to do something about it. I know my own life. There is still time for me to come and bring those sins before the Lord. And I have again this morning. But I know what will happen when I walk out of here. We are weak in our humanity, aren't we? But God is there to help us. His mercy is close at hand. His mercy is so close, it's only a humble prayer of submission before Him away. The problem is, the greatest enemy of all is in the camp. What's the greatest enemy of all? My proud heart. It's not Satan. My proud heart keeps me from falling on my knees and confessing my sin before the Lord. My proud heart keeps me from bending my knees. Don't let your proud heart keep you away from an eternity with God forever and ever and ever. Bow now. While we hear the message, my brother and sister, if there's sin in your life, persistent sin, bring it to the Lord today. Don't wait for later this week. Hear the conviction of the Lord on your heart now. I felt it over and over this morning when I was going through this early this morning. Lord, just break me now. Don't let me wait till later because my heart will get hardened against you and I might fall into apostasy. We all know people who say, I used to be a Christian. Very good men and women who say, I used to be a believer. And now they're just part of the world. Lord, save me from that. I used to be on fire for the Lord. Lord, save me from that. There's a second point you thought I wouldn't get there. But it's much shorter. It's this. It's not less important though. Verse 32 to 35. Listen to what it says. Think back on those early days when you, were, when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. We, he's talking about the Hebrew believers here. I'll expand on that now. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all was owned, was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will not last forever. Here's our second point. It's not just stop your deliberate sinning. It is remember. Remember what it was like when you first got to know Christ. Remember what it was like when you were that on fire believer for Christ. Remember. You see, memory can be a good tool for us. The Hebrew Christians were under extreme persecution. Because when they walked away from Judaism... These Jewish believers were walking away from family, they were walking away from community, they were walking away from finances, because no one would do business with a Jew who had walked away from the faith. No one. 
They were walking into poverty. And so they landed in debt. Their stuff was taken, their homes were taken, their furniture was taken. No one wanted to speak to them from the family. The family would say, he is dead to me. And so he says to them, remember what you were like when you were going through that extreme persecution. You people were helping each other, you Christian believers. You were getting alongside each other. You were visiting each other in prison. You were looking after each other. That was how on fire you were. Why? Not because you're such good believers, but because of who Christ was and what he had done for you. Remember, says the writer to the Hebrews. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord, all for the sake of going back to acceptance by others. Verse 35. Don't throw away this greater reward that is waiting for you. A greater reward than what this temporary world can offer you. And then there's a the last point, he says, verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. You see, we've gone through all those points we looked at those. We need to come into God's presence bolder. We need to hold tightly to our confession. We need to motivate each other to love and good works. We have to continue to meet together. We have to stop our deliberate sinning. We have to remember what's come before in Christ. We are to now, if you want perseverance, have patience in your perseverance. That's literally what it says there. Have patience as you endure. Notice the order here. It says, if you have this patient endurance, then you will continue to do God's will. You see, we, we try and turn it around. We try and be good Christians without the endurance, without all those other things we've just mentioned. And when you do that, you land up in legalism, rule keeping. I'm trying to be a good Christian by, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. And the rules just expand exponentially. And before you know it, you're on your knees, not because you're praying, but because you're spiritually exhausted. Come back to the living Christ. Don't turn your back on the living Christ. He's the only one who can help you in those everyday situations. He's the only one who can give you the patience you need in your endurance. He's the one who gives you the very endurance you need to survive in this world until he reappears, right? Don't turn your back on Christ. Hold on to him. It is he is the one who gets us through in the end. And then, I love this. You can see the pastoral heart of this writer to the Hebrews coming out. He says, it's just for a little while. Come on. Remember those journeys with the kids? Are we nearly there yet? And when you see the destination, yes, we're nearly there. Just for a little while. Look at what he says, and he's quoting here. From Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, verse 37 in our chapter. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. I'm going to read that again. In just a little while, the coming one, is that still to happen? Yes, Jesus Christ is still to reappear, remember? We keep saying to you, Live with one eye on the world and one eye on the sky, like a chameleon. We've got to be ready for Christ's coming. 
In just a little while, he will come, and not today, and my righteous ones will live by faith. We will live by faith for all eternity if we remain faithful now, if we persevere. So what do we do with this? Two points of application. Any good athletics coach, and I used to be a 100-meter sprinter in my day. You wouldn't get me running now, but um, yeah, good old days. Um, a good coach would always give positive motivation and some warning, just to drive you a little bit. So he'd paint the positive picture for you. You've been really good at this, this, and this, but at this, you stink. You really need to do better. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. You see, it's that keeping those things in balance, the warnings and the encouragements. And so what the writer to the Hebrews has been doing here is been encouraging these people to not turn back to Judaism, but he's also been warning them what will happen if they do. And then he says, in chapter 11, which we'll get to next, next time we meet around this passage, he says, keep going, persevere people, the stadium is in sight. Don't let go now. The end is in sight. And then we're going to get to that glorious chapter 11 where he speaks about all those who persevered in faith and we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses as you come running into the stadium. All those who've been faithful to the Lord and they've all run the same race as we have. They've all persevered because of Jesus Christ. We're getting to that. But he's saying persevere. Don't give up now. But there's a clear choice offered to you and I this morning. There's a warning and a promise. And the warning is this. Don't give your way to destruction. Verse 39. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. I like the way he uses this inclusive word. We are not like those who. You, want, you see, the, he's trying to motivate them. Come on, people. We are not like those who. But we are those who. See what he's doing? Saying those who turn their backs on Jesus Christ will be destroyed. And it's going to be self-imposed. They can't blame anyone for that destruction. They've brought it on themselves. They turned their back on Christ. And my friend, if you're still an unbeliever here, if you still haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, then this warning stands for you too. You have turned your back on Christ and you still live in a state where you are not bowing the knee to Christ. You stand on your own before God's judgment seat when He reappears. Come to Jesus Christ this morning. Don't delay. It's going to be self-inflicted judgment. God will do the judging, but you've brought it on yourself. But then there's that promise of salvation. He says, we are not like those who turn away to destruction. We are the faithful ones. Are you part of that faithful ones crowd? Yes, there might be sin in your life, and you're going to deal with it before the Lord, but are you a faithful one before the Lord this morning? I want to be a faithful one before the Lord this morning. I want the Lord to work in my life so that I am faithful to Him in my everyday practice. Lord, help me. He says, we are the ones who are saved from outside of ourselves. We are not alone. Jesus Christ is with us. He is not just with us. He is in us. And we can go to Him. You can't get closer than that. 
Martin Luther said it like this. Christ crossed over from heaven to earth. Think of that. And he smooths the exceedingly rough road. For he, for he who relies on Christ through faith is carried on the shoulders of Christ. I'll repeat that. Christ crossed over from heaven to earth for you and I. And he smooths the exceedingly rough road we still walk. And he who, or she who relies on Christ through faith is carried on the shoulders of Christ. We are in Christ. One John, chapter two, verse twenty-eight to twenty-nine, sums it up, and it's a way that only the the apostle of love can state it to you and I. And now, dear children. Remain in fellowship with Christ so that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. It's so beautifully put. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. My friend, like that lemon tree, Examine your life for those brown leaves. When you see those brown leaves, it means something's wrong. You know what's wrong. Take that wrong to your Savior. He will forgive you because He's the merciful one. He will reinvigorate you. He will give you perseverance. He will help you in whatever situation you are still trying to walk through. He is with us and stays with us. And when He reappears, He's still with us. But we will see Him with our own eyes. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, do this amazing miracle of grace in our lives. And Lord, keep redoing this miracle of grace in our lives. Because every day we sin before You. But Lord, save us from getting so used to our sin that we make peace with it and that we start turning our backs on you because as we start turning our backs on you we declare war with almighty God and you love us so much that you will turn us back to yourself you will bring us through you will make us like your son but in that process we are going to go through extreme pain because you are changing us and working that sin out of us and making us pure. Help us to learn those lessons in life quickly, Lord, and to just cling to the living Christ, the one who is in us and with us. Help us to do this now in practice as we leave this place today, not putting off coming to you and asking for forgiveness, but coming to you as soon as it's made aware in our consciences coming to you and confessing that sin and being made clean and right before you again. Thank you, our loving God. We give you praise. Amen.